Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Monday the 1st of August. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I am Susan Carlin filling in for Holly Wainwright. We've got a particularly good show today. We were excited to get on the mics and talk. Yeah, I think we'll have some fights. Look, one of the most famous women in the world has released a new album and there is some controversy and some drama over one of the tracks. We are going to deconstruct that and the age of the climate criminal is upon us. But first... Look, this is a story that I didn't expect to be talking about on a podcast. This is definitely our private group chat. Where do we start? First of all, we start with a little warning that this is an adult conversation. So do with that what you will. Susan Carland, Jessie Stevens, do you know what pegging is? Oh, very familiar. I didn't until recently, I have to say. (laughs) Okay. Why are we talking about it, first of all? (laughs) Because apparently Prince William does it. It's Prince William, the Prince of Pegging. That is a rumour that's going around social media. Now, this is a murky segment because we can't ignore it because everybody is talking about it. There are stories about it on fairly well-respected publications around the world. So we've angsted over, are we giving it more oxygen by talking about it? But I think it raises some really interesting issues about social media, the lack of accountability. Blind items. Blind items in gossip accounts. And so that's just the little disclaimer and gives you a little bit of context about what we're going to talk about next. Pegging itself was the subject of an episode of Broad City most famously. Listen, dude, I'm freaking out right now. So we were doing it and I was like, we should switch positions. And then he throws me a strap on. And here we are on a Monday morning as we record this. So Susan's now questioning the choices in her life that (laughs) got her to the point where she is on a podcast talking about pegging. But it gets better because apparently Prince William is into it. And how do we know? Well, the hashtag Prince of Pegging is trending right now. And it all started on Friday when a very cryptic message was posted to an anonymous Instagram gossip account called De moi. I've always D- said Diox moi. It's not Diox moi, it's D E U X M O I. They publish celebrity gossip. And look, anyone can submit anything and they say, we're just publishing it. We don't know if it's true or not. But somebody posted this. This is so salacious, I'm almost too shook to share it with you, but will anyway. This British royal's extramarital affair is an open secret in London and amongst the English aristo set and is the talk of every party and news desk. 
I can confirm that that is true. A lot of media people talk about this. At a recent media party, I was told the real reason for the affair was the royal's love of pegging, which the wife is far too old-fashioned to engage in. The wife doesn't mind and in fact prefers her husband getting his sexual needs fulfilled elsewhere as long as things don't become emotional, which was the case with the last woman. Can you just give us a little bit of context for anyone who is not across this story? As you say, in media circles, open secret. People have a sense that Prince William has been having extramarital affairs for years and years. The last relationship was with a Kate Middleton lookalike. A friend of theirs. Named Rose. Yes. They're couple friends with these people and he was widely understood to be, I feel like I need a shower at this point (laughs) for so many reasons. So this is what everybody is talking about. Well, not everybody. You're probably shouting back in your head, I'm not talking about it. What are you doing? Tabloid rumours of of this alleged affair between Prince William and a woman named Rose Hanbury have been around, as you say, Jesse, for a couple of years now. Publications like the Daily Mail have even gone so far to say that that's the reason Prince Harry became estranged from his brother, that Harry said, hey, this is what our dad did. It's not very cool. Why are we so obsessed with this story? And by we, I mean Jesse and I. <laughs> Susan, how appalled are you on a scale of one to ten being I'm actually logging off and walking out of the room? <laughs> Honestly, I'm at about a 15. And I'm not that I'm going to log out and walk away from you. But in terms of the way this story is being dealt with, I think this is absolutely cooked and I hate it for a million reasons. This is an anonymous report from an anonymous account that provides precisely zero evidence for what they are saying and it's talking about the most intimate parts of someone else's relationship. And whether it is true or not, it is equally awful to discuss this topic. If it's true, it's a gross invasion of their privacy and it's trying to humiliate a couple for something that, according to the report, they're both happy with. It's trying to humiliate William for being into pegging and it's trying to humiliate Kate for being too uptight about it. Mm. And if it's not true, it's a lie about someone's marriage. Imagine if this were being said about you and your partner. As many of us who've read the Palace Papers know, Prince William and Kate can't come out and comment on this. They're not allowed to, so they just have to wear it. What would that statement look like if they did? And even if they could, what do they say? Like I just, I hate everything about it. I've found the response interesting and the reason why I'm probably a bit desensitised to it is because I think we've always done this. I keep thinking of like Marie Antoinette and how the intrigue around her debauchery and sexual affairs, it was the front page in, you know, this was before the French Revolution. Like this has always been our fascination with the sex lives of royals isn't new. And also celebrities. There have been a few celebrities that have had probably urban myths, maybe not, who knows, but they're sort of widely reported, repeated as fact bits of gossip about their sex lives, right? Objectively, it is an invasion of privacy and I completely agree with Susan. However, the response is something that it feels like can't be ignored and what is interesting, what I'm finding interesting about it is that there's such a disconnect between you go on any social media and it seems to be all anyone's talking about mainstream media because they keep getting served papers from the palace. Firstly, it's completely unethical to report on it, which suggests what are we even doing talking about it? And we should probably get to that. But also it's a little bit like the anti-vaxxers that say there's a conspiracy among mainstream media to not report all this anti-vax 
news. And it's like, no, there's not a conspiracy. We just can't report something because someone said it if it's not mm. demonstrably, provably true. And yes, even if this could know- be proven to be true... It's a gross invasion of privacy. Correct. But powerful people we know are particularly litigious. And in the UK, a lot of journalists, a lot of insiders say, open secret that Prince William has affairs. I don't know if affairs are the right word. I think probably him and Kate are somewhat open. And Kate's doing her own thing and William goes and does what he likes. But the fact that's an open secret and it isn't on the front page of the paper means that there is Mm. some understanding between the tabloids and the palace. But... What I think is worth discussing is in a lot of this commentary, I have found it incredibly shaming and homophobic. Mm. The way I've seen people discuss it is almost a suggestion that William is somehow emasculated because of what he enjoys doing sexually, which is complete myth either way. Mm. But it reveals something about what we think about sexuality. And I think that, you know, gay men have been talking about this forever, the fact that we find their sex lives so scandalous in a way that we don't see heterosexual penis and vagina sex scandalous. And I agree about the Kate thing. It's like the shaming of her. Yeah. Old-fashioned is such a rude way to put it because mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to be into everything and you're not old-fashioned if you don't want to engage in a sexual act with your partner. No, like, it's called consent. Exactly. Hey, Mamma Mia out loud. Uh, My name's Beck, and I am stuck inside with COVID in Melbourne. My family tested positive two days before me, so they've all just left on a lovely day outside in the sun, and I'm stuck inside. So I burst into tears like a lunatic listening to you guys. Thanks for the entertainment. Bye. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Beyonce has dropped her seventh album, and if you're not already hearing it everywhere, then you're about to. It's been six years since Beyonce's last solo release, so this album, it's called Renaissance, is a big deal. It's been met with critical and popular acclaim. It's the fastest-selling album of all time. In it, she celebrates queer culture, she collaborates with a bunch of other artists. All round, it's fabulous. It's really dancey. It's got lots of driving... Beats. I listened to it when I was on the treadmill on the weekend and it's very club yes. house music. It's been described as very hot girl summer. So it's kind of come out at a good time in the UK and the US. Yeah. It's very dancey. And I think Gen and- Xs will like it too. Yeah. But there is discussion over one of her lyrics, which has appeared in a song called Heated. People might remember that just six weeks ago, Lizzo released a song. And she was accused in this song of using an ableist slur. Ableist is a term that some people won't be familiar with. It sits with like sexist and racist Mm -hmm. and homophobic, doesn't it? Yes. And it means anti-people with disabilities. Exactly. And so the word that Lizzo used starts with an S and in Australia it's understood to be derogatory. Don't we have to say the word, Jessie? I really have thought lots about this and in the Australian context it is not 
ever a word I'd feel comfortable saying. So it's a shorthand for the word spasticity, which is a medical term. In the US, and we'll get to this, it has a slightly different context, but it is a word I I feel comfortable saying. But how can we have a whole segment and a whole news story about a word being not okay to Mm. say if people don't know what that word is? No, I know exactly what you mean. So the word is spazzy. That's the word that we're talking about and spaz. And I think it's important to say that with respect and with love in the context of we are trying to help people understand what words are distressing and offensive. Exactly right. So Lizzo famously apologised and she changed the lyrics after being called out. The connotations in the US, this is where things get complicated, have become about like freaking out or crazy or weird or chaotic a lot of sort of linguists have come out and explained that the connotations that in the UK and Australia that word has so clearly to spasticity and, in fact, in the UK it rates number two on ableist slurs. So the top one would be the R word, the second one would be the S word. That is not the case so much in the US. Now, Beyonce has released this song named Heated where she uses the S word more than once and advocates have begun to come forward asking why she would choose to use that word, especially in light of what's just happened with Lizzo six weeks ago. In light of Lizzo, Trevor Noah did a brilliant monologue. She stepped in. She said, oh, this is not what I intended. And so I'm going to change this for you, which is extremely gracious. I will change it for you, not for me, but for you. Because black people in America have been using spaz completely innocuously as a different word. And then I understand that in another country, they use another word and it means something else. Someone finds it offensive. I get, but that happens all the time. You know, in the UK, they use fag for cigarettes. Oh, good luck getting used to that when you're there. <laughs> you just walk around, people are like, oh, can I bum a fag? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening here? What's happening here? All right, but that's, they're like, no, that's, it, that's not what we mean. And you, you understand that. I, I feel like we're living in a world where people have gotten so used to, to you know, parading as the, the most virtuous or, or as, the, as, the, as the, you know, just like the most righteous person that they've gone to a point where they make it seem like language has no nuance, language has no context, which is even more important, and then they want to imply that there is some sort of intention on people even when there isn't, right? Of all the people you can come for, all the people, Lizzo is one of the most inclusive just like a, like aware, just like loving. She's always trying to bring people into the conversation in her music videos, in her music, in her life. You're going to shit on her for making not even a mistake, by the way. I don't even call that a mistake. It's just not knowing how everyone uses every word in every country all the time. Important context there as well is that Trevor Noah was saying that Lizzo did a really good thing by changing that and that you can't keep going someone once they have learned a lesson and changed their behaviour because of it. So the Beyonce situation is obviously a slightly different context. Susan, what do you make of all this? The first thing I wondered when I saw this, this is just starting to emerge is my sense. I'm not seeing it everywhere, but I'm seeing it starting to emerge, this topic. I feel like up until now, Beyonce has been untouchable. We cannot criticise anything she says or does. She's perfect. She's beyond reproach. She does very few interviews, so it's very difficult to find anything to criticise about her, which means we just project everything we want to be onto her. 
And seeing this criticism, I'm like, huh, I wonder if this is the sheen. It's just come off ever so slightly. And it is different to the Lizzo situation because I think as Trevor Noah said and Lizzo said honestly as well, I didn't know. I didn't know this is what it meant. Whether we should say, well, actually, you know, you should have known in America, whatever. She said she didn't know. I believe that. And she changed it. Beyonce can't now say she didn't know. So there is that. But it also made me, as I was reading about this, think about the other words that do we need to start being sensitive to? Mm. Like words like idiot or cretin are insults that we throw around all the time, but they were also traditionally used as medical diagnoses for people of certain intellects. So I'm wondering, well, is that not cool to say anymore? I don't know. What I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I've had the same situation where I've used terms and had someone confront me. Maybe I've used it in a podcast or in an article and I've had someone say, actually, this derives from blah. And I didn't know. And my first instinct is to get very defensive mm. and to say, well, that isn't what I meant. Mm. And I am actually extremely inclusive. But the outcome of what I said can be, you know, distressing or upsetting. And I don't want that. So Another word that I've thought a lot about where people sometimes say the word is bad, the word is never to be said. Trevor Noah's example of the word fag is a really good one. The other one is the word handicap because handicap in my context with relatives with disabilities is one we do not use anymore. Then my dad goes to golf and all he does is talk about his golf handicap. Words do mean different things in different contexts. I appreciate that. However, I looked up Beyonce's where her audiences lie. It is actually very US. Perhaps she was just thinking about her US audience. The fact that black Americans, that is not the context they have for that S word, I think is relevant. But she does have a really sizable audience in Australia, obviously, and the UK. And I keep thinking about my cousin who has been riding trains. He's been sitting there and he has had a high school kid look at him, make faces and call him that. And Mm. he might have an intellectual disability, but he knows exactly what that word means. Mm. What this does is give that kid license to sing that word, to say it, to normalise it, to use it as an excuse. And I hate that because it has been in one generation erased. That word is not something, if I was walking down the street with my cousin, it is not a word I'd expect to hear. But I worry that when a song this popular chucks that word back into the zeitgeist, then we all have licence to use it. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. I'm leaving on a jet plane You'll be shocked to learn the mega-rich celebrities are not always perfect. I know, it's a lot to take in. An organisation called Yard has done some research and they have calculated the carbon emissions from celebrities' private jets. And look, that celebrities' jets are belching out carbon dioxide is probably not shocking, but what is shocking is A, just how big the carbon emissions are, B, how short some of these flights are, like we are talking minutes, and C, who is on the top 10 worst offenders list. Now, if you're anything like me, 
you would have assumed it would be Kylie Jenner because I can't remember when, a couple of weeks ago, I think Kylie Jenner posted a photo on her Instagram. It was kind of a his and hers private jet of her out the front of two private jets with her boyfriend, Travis Scott, implying, you know, which jet shall we take today, babe? And she was criticised for that. That was the most, I don't usually like the word tone deaf. I've been described as tone deaf so many times, but it just was so brazenly. (laughs) Shameless. Audacious, boastful, (laughs) even take the environment out of it, right? That's just awful. Where's your humility? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're certainly not backwards in coming forwards about how rich they are. But she wasn't even in the top 10. Kylie Jenner was not even in the top 10. She was 19 on the list. So are you ready to hear who the worst offenders are? Number one, everyone's girl next door, Taylor Swift. She was number one. Just this year alone, and remember, we're only at the start of August, her private jet has taken 170 flights so far. Now, this makes her private jet's emissions thus far 8,293 tonnes of carbon. What does that mean? Nothing to me or you. So what it actually, to break it down, means it is calculated that the average American goes through that amount of carbon in 550 years. So her jet has done that just in these, you know, six, seven months of the year. So she was number one. Number two was Floyd Mayweather, who's a boxer. He had one flight that was just 10 minutes long. On the list was Steven Spielberg, Kim Kardashian, Oprah, etc. You know, many of our favourites. Now, it should be noted that a representative from Taylor Swift has said that Taylor's jet is loaned out regularly to other individuals. So to attribute most or all of these trips to her is blatantly incorrect. I knew that'd be a justification <laughs> for Taylor being number one on that list. How often do you take out your private jets, guys? <laughs> do you know that rich people call them PJs? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I learned that on succession. (laughs) So here's what I think about this. Interestingly, if you own a PJ, there's like a place where someone can find out where it is and how many flights it's taken at any given time. It's all kind of on the public record. Mm. I think it's an app. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, the second thing is I would say for someone like Taylor Swift, I mean, she's not on tour at the moment, so I'm not going to say she's been touring, and she says loaned it out, but I'm sure she charters it out as well to friends because it costs a huge amount of money to run a private jet, like hundreds of thousands of dollars for even short trips. How do you want someone like Taylor Swift to get around? Why can't Taylor Swift just fly business or first class or something and get the privacy that she might need but also not contribute. So So when you fly commercial, (laughs) you have to go through airports (laughs) and in airports there are lots of people. There's also lots of queues. There's also, you know, as anyone who's been travelling domestically, Mm -hmm. there's delays, there's paparazzi, there isn't privacy. So... It's a trade-off. And also, you know, if you're a really famous person and you have to be at the Grammys, you can't really afford for your flight to get cancelled or whatever. When you fly by PJ, you can come and go. You pay for the convenience and the privacy. That's what you're paying for. I sound like I'm defending people killing trees now. No, no, no. (laughs) I wondered that is I'm like, oh, so what we've learned as well is that Every celebrity has a private jet. I wasn't even at that level yet. So that's been a discovery for me. Or access to one so that they say to Taylor, can I just borrow your PJ? I'm in two minds about this. Firstly, I'm very much enjoying the popularisation of the climate criminal. I think we are late to it and I am embracing it. 
I think, yes, we need to make this very, very uncool. And the hypocrisy of a Kim Kardashian who often tweets about climate change is real, so sad to see what's happening in Australia, blah, 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 great tweets. But then you look at what she's doing with the private jet and you sort of go, oh, there's a correlation here between CO2 emissions and... Well, how far do we take it, Jesse? Someone, two people around this table have been overseas exactly. in the past few weeks. So, and you, I did was you go by boat? That. So what's... <laughs> I didn't do a Greta Thunberg. I wish I, I did. didn't. I didn't sail no. across the ocean. But just like Susan, I had to get my head around, hang on, how bad are they yeah. really? Mm. And the fact that it is a thousand times more than what an average person would emit. I and think celebrities need to ride share. There needs to be a private jet app for celebrities where Oprah can be like, hey, I'm going to, from New York to L.A., and puts it in the group chat or in the app. Who wants to come? And Taylor's like, I've got to go. And Prince Harry's like, oh, I've got to go too. You, you know, know what I'm not allowing? That's is three private jet flights that don't have to happen. You just have one. Is Kylie's three-minute journey on a private jet. I'm not. Did I'm that not really here. happen? Yeah, three minutes. Like one side of LA, which does have bad traffic, one side of LA to the other side of LA. We're not doing that. Not oh, accepting no. that. Wait on the bus like the rest of us. On the one hand... Very, very cool. I'm loving the term climate criminal. Great. Do I think Taylor Swift becoming the scapegoat of the rich and powerful screwing over our planet is fair? No. If you want to look at real kind of like fossil fuels, if we're looking percentage-wise, 100 companies contribute to 71% of all fossil fuel emissions. So Mm. let's look at Shell and BP and all of these massive companies because Taylor is a drop in the ocean compared to them. So having a young woman as the face of it, I'm like, I would put a politician on trial before I'd put Taylor Swift on trial. What do you think, Susan? I'm so in two minds about this because on the one hand, I think we could also all look at ourselves and go, okay, but I drive sometimes when I could walk or ride a bike or take, like we all do, you know, Mm. we all have a guilty of, well, I could have taken the more inconvenient route and taken the bus and then the train and then walk two k's, but I just get in my car. On a lesser scale, many of us are guilty of this. So sadly, I remembered that when I was all out on attacking this list. But I also think on the flip side, we can hate the fossil fuel companies and attack celebrities at the same time. Why does it have to be one or the other? (laughs) The flip side is to that, that if we're like, well, you know, unless the fossil fuel companies are doing something, it doesn't really matter what I do. I may as well just keep drinking my coffee in disposable cups and driving my gas guzzling car because I feel like that's like saying the house is on fire and I have a cup of water and I could tip the water on it, but I'm saying, no, I'm just going to keep throwing things on the fire because the fire brigade is not here yet. Yes. And I'm in the burning house. So yes, we could wait for the fire brigade, but I feel like we should try to do something as well. I don't think it can be one or the other. And, you know, in terms of celebrities needing to take private jets, yeah, I'm sure there are sometimes, but Kate and William, to throw back to our first discussion, Kate and William fly commercial, they fly first class. And if they can manage with the paparazzi and the attention and Mm. having to go through the body scanners and getting their laptop out of their bag to go through the things, I'm sure that Kylie Jenner can as well. It's very humbling going through an airport. I don't think you should ever be too good for an airport. Susan, you have a recommendation for us. I do have a recommendation. It's a podcast that I need to flag. It hasn't been updated for a while, but it's absolutely just worth going back to the beginning anyway. And the reason I love this podcast, it's a long one. The episodes are long, so just relax about that. But I love the premise of it. It's called Principle of Charity. 
And what is awesome about this podcast is that each episode they get two people on to discuss some contentious topics like euthanasia or is pornography good or bad for women or is it okay for storytellers to appropriate characters and stories from other cultures. And what they do is they come on and have this conversation. But what the two people who are participating in this discussion have to do is at some time during the discussion, I think in early episodes it was the start, in later episodes it's sort of halfway through, they must present the most good faith argument for the opposing side. So say, for example, Jesse and I were in the debate about euthanasia and Jesse was anti-euthanasia. I would, before I was allowed to argue my case, I would have to give the most good faith explanation of Jesse's case before we could proceed. So you'd have to say like, Jesse is worried that some people might be forced to end their lives mm. or that people with mental illnesses and that it could be abused and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Instead of saying, Jesse just wants to restrict freedom yeah. and has yeah. no empathy. Exactly. Yeah. The reason I think it's so good is that I think it's just such a perfect podcast for now when I feel like there is no good faith engagement. Well, there's limited good faith engagement with other people. I think we don't take seriously the arguments of people who disagree with us and actually it's too easy to paint them as immoral or unthinking or irrational. And mm. I love this. Or I evil. think this premise should be in every conversation before we have a conversation with anyone with an opposing view. I completely agree. I, it's the basis of all philosophical argumentation. We had to do this at uni. It was like you can't argue with this point unless you write a paragraph outlining exactly what their point was that's not sarcastic. You really have to state it. Mia, isn't this your cousin? It is, actually, and I didn't tell Susan to recommend <laughs> I know, this, this is, I just came with it and Mia's like, I'm actually related Also, to I feel a little bit bad that I've never recommended it. It is a good <laughs> podcast, though. Um, yes, Emil Sherman, not only he's uh, doing this podcast as his little side hustle, but he is actually an Oscar-winning movie producer. He's done Power of the Dog and The King's Speech and Lion and a million other great films with his production company. Not much success in your family then, Mia. It's, you know, no. you really, you guys need to work a bit harder. Are you the failure? The failure what? cousin? <laughs> Next to him? Everyone has that cousin He's who's from an, an amazing family, actually, because his sister is an animal rights activist and oh. she started an animal rights charity called Voiceless. So, yeah, they're big achievers in that family. Yeah. And we've had a lot of Outlouders contact us to say, I can't keep track of the recommendations and is there a way I can see them all in one place? If you sign up for the Outlouders newsletter, it comes out every Friday and it's got links to all of the things we've recommended on the show that week. So follow the link to that in the show notes or there's a link in my bio to sign up for the Outlouders newsletter. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Mum Mia Out Loud. That is all we've got time for. Thank you, Susan, for jumping in. Thank you. The producer of Mum Mia Out Loud is Emma Gillespie and we will chat to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. <laughs>